right, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. I like your whisper version of it. I'm, when Robert hears this, he's gonna be he's gonna be really jealous. Is Robert the person who's usually Robert's normally yes. He's normally you. But so what happened? You kicked him out? No, he said he was sick and he didn't want oh. to get people sick, and you know. Sounds lame. I, although I have the immune system hey, of a bear. Hey, you snooze, you lose. Now it might be me forever moving forward. Okay. Thank right. you for, for offering that. We'll get back to that later. Uh, tell people who you are, because right now you're just a voice. Oh, that's right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Sunita Sarajan. Um, I know Chris from Michigan State, sort of. Woo, we Spartans. Go State. Um, and we never really met in college, I, ironically enough. Yes. But we ran in adjacent circles. And we met here at a Digital Hollywood event. Is that where we met? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or Thank AFI. One thank of those. you for, rem- for remembering. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I've worked in the like at CAA and Sony and Disney and, and whatnot, so um, in the digital space. Do you do the tweets? Thankfully, I do not do the tweets. That's, oh. that's a lot of stress. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you do know what happened with the, with the, the airline and, Ye- and their Twitter, the little yes. Twitter problem. I'm sure you'll experience. I, 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 my heart sank actually, because <laughs> that very easily could have could have been like my team. Or, or, That's yeah, true. You know, I was like, oh my god, Uh-oh. I feel so bad for these people right now. Um, but yeah, I took some time off to finish my uh, MBA, which um, will happen next week. So very excited. All right. Awesome. So thank you. That was a long. That was a long intro. Yeah. Uh, and now to the man of the hour, Chris Gore. Thanks for having me on the show, Chris. I like that your name is easy to say. It is. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's why. That's actually why we booked you. I was like, you know, I need a guest <laughs> with an easy name. Chris is a good name, but that's funny. You two are both from. Are you from Michigan? Or you you went just, to Kimball. I went to. How do you know this? What is that? I I'm know like, everything. He's a stalker. Oh my god! No, I, I'm from Michigan as well. I actually went to Wayne State University for two years and then dropped out. Uh-huh, but um, but you guys are from Michigan. I love meeting people from Michigan, like in California. I, I like. We're the Michigan mafia. Okay, I have to correct you. I'm actually not from Michigan. You're not I'm from just, Michigan, but you went to school. There. I, I'm actually a huge fan of Michigan schools because not only right. did I go to state, I'm now getting my MBA from from U of M. Oh, so. see, well, okay, you're you're you know grandfathered in, so to speak. Right. Yeah, exactly. that still counts. So you're, That's cool. You're yeah. Dedicated. I, yeah. I am to the state of Michigan. Well, I actually awesome. went to Southfield Lathrop, and I used to run. A, I used to run cross country against a bunch of. I think you're creeping him out. No, no, this is great. This is awesome. I never meet people. I meet people from Michigan, but not like knowing specific areas. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure we could talk about like different places. I literally drove through Royal Oak two days ago. Oh wow! I I, I love it. I love it back there. I like going back there. It's very flat. Yes. Uh, it's humid. Um, it's I, I don't know. I love the sort of groundedness of the Midwest. And then I come here and I, what am I doing here? What am I doing in I, it's, But it's good to go, like, do you go back often? Because it's good to go, like, get that Midwest grounding. Every yeah. Morning. You know what? Simpler. You know what? I don't. I don't. Mm. But I talk to my mom all the time. I talk to my relatives that still live back there. And I, nice. You know, so I, I still I still have that Michiganness, and And it's it's sort of like a chip on my shoulder that never goes away. That's 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 my Michigan. It's I right love here. It's that like a little Michigan, mitten. though. It's a little mitten. But, uh, but I actually live in Pasadena, which... Is the most it most feels like the Midwest yeah, part of LA, yeah. whereas like you go to like hipster areas or you know the West Side in Santa Monica, and there's a sameness and I don't know, just irritate to me. I'm irritated by a lot of different types of people in LA, yeah. hipsters yeah. for the most part, and just sort of West Siders <laughs> that you know uh, just 
irritate the crap out of me. I, I, I like going somewhere where I'm not going to overhear people talking about their latest script. I could give a crap. <laughs> well, I, I, tweeted, I tweeted something recently. Oh, dear God. I love <laughs> no, the Twitters. But it was just like, because I did that. I, I think I walked down. I forget what street. I may have been, might have been on Sunset. But like it, within five minutes, I overheard three very like hardcore industry conversations. And, and they were all, you know. BC level conversation. I'm like, okay. I was like, I love walking down the street and overhearing people's dreams on uh, yeah. in LA. Yeah, it's it's. I just find it so annoying. So I like to be away from that energy, and I just prefer being somewhere that kind of feels like where I grew up, which is right. where I live in Pasadena, where I can pretty much walk to everything and take the metro, which I love. And yeah. people are nicer. They're not douchebags. I feel like I feel LA has the highest concentration of assholes. I think that's. That yes. was, I read that as a fact. That is, yeah, scientific. Infographic is going to do an infographic <laughs> on L.A. assholes, and it's 100%. Uh, speaking of assholes, um, <laughs> speaking of segues, no, I, uh, I listened to your entire album. You did? How? Yes. How did you listen to my comedy album? Spotify, man. Oh, Spotify? It was on Spotify? Yep. Oh, that's great. Yes. Oh, I love now it. Now you know. <laughs> I didn't know it was on Spotify, but that's awesome. That's cool. Uh, in my first like kind of t- tidbit, first of all, who is you've described all these other people in LA? Describe mm-hmm. Chris Gore. Who? Wh- how? How should people know you? Oh man, uh, I'm just sort of an angry old punk who is uh, into DIY projects, whether it be a comedy album or a book or whatever. And uh, I, I, I. I I don't know. <laughs> no, that's fine. I describe myself. Oh, gosh. I, know, I don't know. I, I figured it would be hard it's for hard. you. It's <laughs> hard. Uh, can someone else take that question? Well, no, because I, like, I know author. I know comedian. Right. I know host. I know oh, producer. I see, you know I what I mean? I, there's a lot of sides to me. Yeah. Yes. And then also, like, I'm a responsible father. You know, I had kids when I was young. And I have a son who's a U.S. Marine. Uh, wow. My, my daughter is working her way through college. So she won't end up in debt. And she won't be doing any, you know, uh, Occupy Wall Street stuff because she'll have been responsible about paying for her education. That's awesome. And, yeah, so there's a lot of sides to me. I mean, I'm private about my private, private personal life. Yes. Uh, But on Twitter, I think people get the sense that they really do know me, and they know a side of me. They know the edited version of me that's on social media, and, of course, we all do that. If you're on social media, you're editing a version of yourself to portray to everybody else. And also, depending on which platform you're on, right? Like, your LinkedIn conversation is going to be different than your Twitter than your Facebook conversation. It should be different. Yeah, It should be, but... Your Instagram, too. And the photos that are on there should be different. (laughs) Yeah, the photos, definitely. (laughs) But but I think to your point, right, like, people think they know the the full story of you as an individual because like oh so you, how how was it in the mountains like you travel a lot right yeah. and that's pre- pretty much what I know about you is like and, you know we have our history but I'm just like oh so you've always traveling but you're like no I don't like you know so there's there's, there's a tendency exactly of but everybody has that I mean there's sides to all of us like there's just certain conversations you'd never have in front of your parents that you have with your buddies. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that that's sort of, that's sort of how I parse out, I guess, the sides of myself. I mean, there's things I'm very serious and passionate about, and then I am able to make penis jokes. So right. that is, so, and I think we all have that, you know, we yeah. all have like various sides to our personalities. So. Well, my penis is a joke, so. Well, the- <laughs> No comment. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not compare. I will lose. Speaking of which, you were talking about looking great naked. Yes, that's true. I yeah. <laughs> is that and you have you have you have some some personal goals you're trying well, to accomplish? Right at the moment, I stopped drinking coffee and I stopped drinking alcohol, 
And just for certain reasons of, I was just, I was feeling like, you know, I just need to make some changes because of course the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I thought, well, I've got to, I got to mix things up. So decided I was going to quit drinking and quit alcohol and then sort of just change my diet in a sense. And right. it, feels awesome. How, like how long have you how it's long only, have been it, in motion? It's only been like two weeks, but I feel, this is going to sound bad, I feel high. <laughs> and by that, I mean like a heightened sense of awareness where it's like I'm not medicating myself with alcohol all the time. Right. So I feel like I feel kind of this kind of like it's like the high you get when you exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and you kind of feel like a little, I feel a little buzz. <laughs> I just went like, because I'll run like three miles. You know? Oh, wow. okay. It's a run walk thing. And that involves push-ups and, you know, listening to weird podcasts. And, uh, and, and so it just it, – it feels really good. So um, there's a lot of positive aspects. Not, not, I'm not worried about getting pulled over for a DUI. <laughs> True. So that, there's that aspect. Also, it's saving me a ton of money. I was talking to uh, – this is a while ago. I talked to a friend of mine, Blaine Capatch, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And he just decided that he, was, he wasn't going to quit drinking, but he was going to quit drinking when he goes out. Because if you go out, like let's say you go out, meet your friends at the bar, like, you know, let's say 10 times a month and you buy drinks, let's say minimum, you're buying drinks, you're with your girlfriend or your wife, you're buying her drinks, whatever, 60 bucks, 80 bucks in LA, right? Yeah. 10 times a month, that's 800, it's almost $1,000 a month you're spending in drinks. Yeah. He decided, I'm, I'll drink, I'm just not going to drink when I'm ever out at a bar. And he ended up just saving a ton of money and I thought, that's kind of inspiring. I like money. Maybe I should try this. <laughs> so, um, so that was sort of part of the reason. And just sort of when I look at the checklist of what the positives are, sure. you know, um, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to quit drinking for a while. That's great. Yeah. So what, what about yourself? Where do you stand? On- well, right now I'm, I'm in the middle of this master cleanse. So I know the high oh, you're, you're doing talking the about. cleanse. You yes. Got, oh. That's why I got this nasty cayenne pepper lemonade. Ooh, can you tell us about the cleanse? Because I've thought about doing it. I'm not doing the cleanse. Do it. Doing, okay. But I mean, do, if, you, if, like, you ex- if you're like, on this, because basically what you're doing is... Now it's become the health podcast. Um, what you're <laughs> right. doing is clean, cleaning out your innards, right? Because you've spent so much time put it like for me, I, like I just got back from Michigan and I went to White Castle, I went to Olga's, I went like every. I love Olga's. Me too. That, that yogurt sauce they put on, and even <laughs> yeah. the, even like the wrap. Oh my god, I love exactly. Olga's. It's like perfect. Oh. So and I, I had mine with three cheeses. Like oh, it that's was, the best one. And I, like I. I by the time I got back on the plane, I was like, uh And I've been thinking about doing the cleanse anyway. Uh-huh. But it's, you know, it, it is definitely one of those things you have to kind of get in your head first that you're going to do. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, like, uh, I had a c- couple of starts and fits before. You go, like, I'm, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then you're like, uh, that cheeseburger looks really good. <laughs> How many days? Uh, it's 10 days. 10 days? Yes. You do it for 10 days? What day are you You're supposed on? to do it for 10 days. Um, well, this is day two. I'm probably going to go four to five. This tip, I've done this one other time successfully. And all you um, do is drink that. You drink that, and you can have tea, and you do a saltwater flush in the what is, morning. What is the, what, what is the consistency? How do you make it? So okay. you, this is um, uh, purified water. Okay. Right? Uh, lemon juice. like or, Everything's organic. Or, organic lemons. Um, and maple uh, grade B organic maple syrup, which is like twenty bucks at Whole Foods. So, <laughs> of course, everything's expensive. Exactly. So I don't know if I'm saving money uh, by not drinking because I'm drinking this crap. And then there's some red stuff. That's cayenne. cayenne pepper. So apparently, cayenne pepper has like a uh, and it's organic cayenne pepper. It has healing aid, like vitamins and all kinds of crap in it. Hmm. So it's like it, this is what kind of keeps you up. You know, and it's, um, it's and upright. But the same thing, though, you you feel this high where it's like, oh, 
I, you know, everything you, because you're not putting, you're not contaminating your body. I mean, even if you eat great, like there's still a good period of time where you should just give your body a break. Um, I know the first time I did the cleanse, I felt like you feel where it was like, wow, you know, it was just like, you know, it was almost like uh, John Travolta and Phenomena. It was like, I, you could shave minutes off your mail route if you just, like, everything was just so clear. Um, and then, you know, you just try to, at least for me personally, I try to maintain that. Like, you know, once it starts to, it'll wear off a little bit. But, you know, you, the, the goal is really to try to, to stay there. And wow. just so I'm clear, there's no food <laughs> there is no food. There is you no know, food. Do you drink water though? In addition, you can drink. Yeah, you drink water. Um, How water much of that do you drink a day? I don't know. I made I made sixty ounces this morning. So that's you'll drink. Yeah, this is it's, thirty-two here. I read an interesting thing. Um, just because you know, I'm sure we'll talk about technology stuff at, at some point. This is. I hope. No, I, I'm just kidding. But, but there, there's a guy who he was a programmer who was irritated with the amount of time and I've met guys like this. These are programmers that are like, you know, glued to their desk where they're just they have that haunch and they're yeah. just that's all that, you know, 15 hours 20 hours a day they're programming and coding and all that. This guy was irritated with the amount of money he was spending on food and the amount of time it took for preparation. You make like a breakfast, what do you make yourself? Bacon and eggs, toast, right. orange juice, the the time to, you know, shop for that, buy it, make those ingredients, create a meal, consume it clean up he was irritated this is this guy's got to be like very ocd <laughs> really yeah or, or definitely asperger's or just something with this dude so he decided to backwards engineer the minerals and actually what the human body needs and he created a solution that he calls ironically soylent hmm. you look this up you can google this um this guy created a, a it's a mix and the U.S. government is looking at it. Medical journals have written about this compound because it, it can be used to sustain the human body. It's everything you need in the form of a drink because he just wanted to drink his meals every day. You know, he, should, he should get out of the house, though. Right. But he looked, <laughs> exactly. But he looked at all the different things the human body needed, like actually what it needs to sustain. Right. So the U.S. government's taken an interest because this could be used in parts of the world where starvation is an issue. Right. You could come there and it's like you've got these packets of powder that people could live on for months. So he created – now, he doesn't – you know, he doesn't uh, – stop eating food completely. Like once a week, he'll have like a really great steak dinner. But he says when he does that, he's not just buying crappy food, crappy food, crappy food. He's having like a $100 steak dinner that's the best steak and the yeah. best this. He has it once a week. He does say that he uh, has fewer bowel movements in a week, well, which well, is interesting. Yeah, he's not putting anything, anything yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean, you would think that that would be the case. So um, he's you can sign up for it, and actually it's going to be available for commercial sale. It might already be available for commercial sale, but look that up, Soylent. Look up the research. Where, um, does, he get the, where does he get the stuff from? Well, it's... Like, it's like, I, well, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm before I order this, I'm like, where... Like, I don't know. know. Where does he get the riboflavin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, there's got to be ingredients to... Yellow number five. Where does he get that right. stuff? Uh, but But... I just think it's fascinating because it's really um, – and he's using real science to backwards engineer specifically what does the human body. I mean, look, computers need electricity to do their job. What does the human body need? What is – I mean, this is also like ramifications. I think like I'm against this. I don't know. I mean, I like your – I mean, I, it sounds awesome. Look it up. Look it up. I might be more healthy than the cleanse, but what I'm saying is is that look look up the, the research that this guy did, and I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I'm sure 
Google will have the answer. <laughs> Google. Google has everything. Google has yeah. the answer. But I was just fascinated by that because ever since I was a kid, I've always felt that eating sort of a pain in the ass because it just gets in the way of other stuff I want to do. It's like you got to eat three times a day. This is a pain. And then they say, now, well, you should have smaller meals. More meals. I love eating, though. That's, that's, that's I'm, yeah, it's I'm not very, a foodie. It's a social activity I'm not a foodie. I'm not a foodie. <laughs> I, I don't even have to be a foodie. I, I, but I, uh, the sensation of yeah. like a good meal or, or just a, a bite of – have you ever been like really hungry and you're like, I'm hungry? for something Olga's right okay Olga's alright now you've sold me <laughs> you've sold me on food there's no Olga's there's no Olga's in alright I'm, I'm going to Michigan next week is, is, this is something I need to eat yes, oh, Olga's go is Olga's. so good it's Olga's? a chain it's a chain I'm actually going to make them sponsor this episode of the show right, it's a chain restaurant don't let it put you off but they have this main, amazing Euros and I don't know what it is. I'll get the ham and cheese and whatnot. Yeah. It's just, just they get have the this original yogurt. Olga. Get the original Olga is yep. the best, or okay. the ham and cheese. And that I always ask for extra yogurt sauce. They have this yogurt sauce mm-hmm. that is very tart. It's like sour cream and yogurt mix. And is I'm salivating talking about it. But <laughs> I, I'm just when we're back back to the food conversation. I, I'm just waiting for that day when we have like pills, like the Jetsons. You know, we're just like, well, here's your turkey dinner in the form of a pill. <laughs> I wait for, remember on Star Trek when they used to, like, you could order your food in the machine and it was just right. like, and that's what I'm waiting for. Tea like, Earl Grey hot. <laughs> Why don't we just have that, like a little thing. So I, I admire this guy for, for really trying to use, trying to use real science um, and, and just the ramifications that it has worldwide is very positive. Yeah. No, I so, love that part. Like, I, I love the part of, the like, cool. solving a world issue. Yeah. As far as, like, my social consumption of food and, like, yeah. sitting down it with a family and people uh, to have a pill. Yeah. Or right. Just, would be weird. <laughs> Drink your shake. Although, yeah. I, all right, would, kids. I would like to hire this guy to work on all my projects moving forward. Yeah. yeah. He'd just be at, my, at his desk just working, cranking my But he published out. everything online so you can actually read all about it. So uh, just Google the Soylent uh, I just wrote it drink. down. Soylent drink. Cool. Speaking of food, let's hear it. So I see this trailer for the Earbuds documentary, and you hold up your phone. Uh, I think you were on a panel. Oh, and it's, right. It's girls eating hot dogs at two a.m. Right, and then hold you on, know, yeah. But, and then uh, when I when I hired, when our research team here on the show went to work, right. um, they found a bunch of photos. Right, there's a there's a movement now of girls eating hot dogs at two a.m. Well, uh, why does this thing exist? Well, I, originally it started as a podcast that I wanted to do. And then I realized, let me think about this for a second. I don't make any money doing podcasts. Maybe I should reconsider this. So I, I, I took that concept and I'm, that's the title of my next comedy album is Girls Eating Hot Dogs at 2 a.m. And I, I, I began to recruit my female friends on Facebook. I just put a message out there. And then anyone that was following me on Twitter at that Chris Gore, which is I'm that Chris Gore on any social media. But I asked them, hey, could you send me a photo of yourself eating a hot dog? Now, the, what's going to happen is I've taken hundreds of photos that I've received of women eating hot dogs, and I am making a giant poster that will be a mosaic of a giant hot dog. I've got <laughs> – I can show you a picture of it if you want to see the preliminary uh, yes. photo, photograph and what it looks like, but it's it's pretty cool. i got to say, it's, so it's a giant hot dog made from photos of women eating hot That's dogs. Awesome. If, you look, if you look really close at it, <laughs> and I'm hoping that this will be hung up in dorm rooms. Oh, you have a variety of <laughs> varieties. Yeah, well, I'm working on it with the designer right now, and if you look really close, if you zoom in on it, it's just close-ups. It's women eating hot dogs. If you look at the, if you if you zoom zoom what, in, what is it about women eating hot dogs? I, I get the. I, I assume there's a sexual reference. Well, yes, it, it came from um, uh, previous to this. I don't do this anymore. I was I was in the online dating community. Oh. 
It was on OK you Cupid were, and a couple of couple of other online dating sites and and. Uh, Wow. Talk about disaster. Um, <laughs> online dating is depressing. If you enjoy being punched in the taint, in, 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 in a mental sense, in, in, a, in a mentally abusive sense, um, then you should online date. I, one thing I found that was a really interesting trend was the sameness of women on there. Like they were all fun. Every woman I, I saw on their profile was fun. They all had good senses of humor. They all went hiking in Runyon Canyon. They all uh, – and they all had photos of themselves. Someone must have written a blog entry like 10 years ago. If you're putting together your profile on for online dating, <laughs> right. make sure you show photos of yourself being active. Then your, your potential mate will see that you exercise. Right. So all of these photos I'd see of women, they'd be hiking. They'd be running a marathon. They'd be – Climbing one of those fake mountains that they have indoors. You know what I mean? Like all this activity. I look at that and I'm like, that's the last kind of girl I want to date. I don't want a girl that's going to make me do stuff like that too. I mean, look, I'm all about exercise, but I don't want to do it, you know, in public where people can see me. And and photograph it and post it for for everybody to see. Yeah, This is why I'm not part of a gym. I thought, why don't you show me that you've got skills? Just a picture of you eating a hot dog. So I want to start a trend of women on your online dating profiles. A photo of you eating a hot dog tells me two things. One, you've got a good sense of humor. And two, you might be good at something we both like. So that that eating hot dogs. Eating yeah. hot dogs. Yeah, I love eating. I'm a huge Yeah, I didn't mean that in a sexual way. I love the street dogs, like street meat. Oh man, when you come out like of some concert, you're in Hollywood Boulevard and you they see they've good. got Oh my God! I, they've got like you know they've got the you know the onions and the peppers and they're grilled. You've got their bacon wrapped and they're in those and they're greasy and they're bad for you. I'm going to do a cleanse that only involves street meat. I think that I don't know what kind of do cleanse it. that's. It's just going to be yep. I'm on my cleanse. I only eat hot dogs. Um, but it just struck me as a funny title um, for a album. So because my last album. Which my last album was a huge success, huge success. People bought it in drove, wow. and I mean a single drove. And by that I mean it wasn't a huge success. I, it was it was it was an experiment. My my last my my first, my debut comedy album was an experiment because what it is is you heard the album, celebrities poop. What you don't know is in addition to the album, I created a novelty book. They call them novelty books. I was inspired by. Go the Fuck to Bed. Have you ever heard of that yeah, book? Yeah. And then um, other books that you see. You know, you see these books at like Urban Outfitters, like Penis Pokey. And I created a book called Celebrities Poop, which is a page-for-page parody of the book Everyone Poops. I like it. So if you look at the book, it's just – it's it's actually um, Everyone Poops is by an author named Taro Gomi. And it's to teach children about animals pooping. Well, in this I took celebrities like the opening of the book. It says Oprah makes a big poop. Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber makes a small poop. And then it goes from there with uh, all types of celebrities that you'll see. There's a legend in the back that tells you some people are obvious. Some people are not so obvious. My daughter did all of the paintings and they're done in the oh, style. Awesome. They're done in the style of everyone poops. So that's my gift to you. Well, thank you. And then each book comes with. I won't be with, pooping for a while because right. of the cleanse. But. Right, but put that in your it's, – it's one of those books you just put on your uh, – I don't know. It's on a coffee table as like a conversation piece. And it was a different way because people don't buy CDs anymore. The CD is pretty dead as a delivery medium for media. 
Right. right? I mean, you know, so I looked at a friend of mine, Graham Elwood, who does the Comedy Film Nerds podcast, yep. also creating the documentary, yep. um, the Earbuds documentary. So, um, and he was like, hey, man, I do these download cards. Right. So comedians these days do these download cards. You get them for like 29 cents. You sell them for 10 bucks at shows. It's cheaper and you just you download it online. Yep. Um, so I decided, well, download cards is not like sexy. I want to do something fun. So I decided just as a guy that I just always sort of inherently had this marketing bug. Yeah. So any project I've done, whether it's a book, a movie, a magazine, a TV project or a web series, I have this sort of mind for marketing. So speaking of marketing, like who is the, you know, because when I look at your body of work and just like your unique perspective, whether through stand up or through work in the, in the in fanboy culture, like how would you describe the Chris Gore fan? Like who, you know, who are the people that are, who are the people in know. your neighborhood? Um, I, I would, oh gosh, I don't know. I think they've got a good sense of humor right. and maybe a slightly pervy mind. <laughs> which I think describes everybody. everybody exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've never really had any huge success. Like I've always had this sort of mid level sort of like percolating, like I'm on, my whole career has been on, on whatever the lowest burner setting is on the gas stove. That's me. I'm, an, I'm, my career has been simmering but for it's decades, steady, right? But, it, but it's the- steady. That's the thing is like, I always work or I always find a way to make money that, like, I mean, right now, like, my, my primary source of income is I do social media marketing for movies and celebrities I can't name. But it involves writing, and it's I hire my friends or are comedy writers to, like, tweet for celebrities that are too lazy to do it themselves but right. are willing to shell out chunks of money to have that taken care of for them. So I work a couple hours a day doing social media marketing for these projects. Sure. And then my passion projects are my comedy album, uh, upcoming animated shows that I've been working on for a couple years. Um, so, you know, the passion projects, I, I just, I feel like I need to work on something that I would personally like, you know? Yeah. Well, and those are all your passion projects, right? Right. Like Things the- that don't make money. That's what I also, <laughs> that's definition of passion project. Well, not necessarily. Cause it, it, they can make money. Right. And so when I look at, like, um, your sort of expertise in independent filmmaking, right? And right. The, and this oh, my God, like, you know everything about me. It's freaking me out. <laughs> hey, I told you, we got a big research team. Wow. You know more about me than some of my ex-girlfriends. That's crazy. <laughs> I am one of your ex-girlfriends. Oh, no. The best girls <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> doom, doom. Uh, now I forgot my question. Oh. Um, no. Oh, so just, like, the idea of, like, independent film and those kinds of things. And I think there is sort of a stigma, like it's not a money-making field, right? And yes, independent film, if you're uh, – I mean, and I would actually recommend this. You can either go to grad school for a film or you could take the money you would spend on grad school, let's say thirty grand. You could take that money, make an independent movie, and I recommend you don't make the movie for more than 20000 Take the other $10,000 and spend that on – a film festival tour in which you screen your movie in front of an audience because there's no better education than seeing uh, something that you've created in front of a room of live people. As much as it's great to make a cute short that you can post online and look at mean comments on YouTube uh, from the <laughs> haters because the only people who post are people that hate things. Right. Rarely people post that like things. So I think that there's just something about that and the networking that you can do in that environment. I mean, I, you know, I was able – I wrote – co-wrote and produced a movie um, years ago that – I mean, I cast the movie because I was on the festival circuit and met people like Clint Howard and Bob Odenkirk and mm. Paget Brewster. 
and other people in the comedy community that ended up just being in the movie. So it was, it was, that was my education was, oh, I'm going to make a movie, make a lot of mistakes. Then I'll take that movie on a festival tour. And, and, uh, you well, know, now were you afraid of the mistakes? Right. Because, you no. know, I think some, I think that's the barrier for a lot of people is like, and the $20,000. Uh, well, yeah, the money, I mean, the, but I mean, you can get a credit card and you can, I mean, I don't ever recommend it, but you could, you can, but do it, you can do it. And I know <laughs> all sorts of really weird ways people have gotten the money. I know a group of filmmakers, five filmmakers who all went on game shows where the prizes were the most possible cash prizes. And they got about 50 grand that they used to make the movie. They took all the, they pooled their winnings. They applied. I mean, I think sometimes the story, the behind the scenes story of how indie films get made is, are better than the movies that themselves. Actually, Absolutely. I, I was just about to say. <laughs> that's, that's a cool, it's a cool story. So I like those things. Um, Chris Nolan, his first movie called Following, which um, was the movie he made previous to mm-hmm. Memento. Following was at the Slamdance Film Festival. He made that movie over the course of a summer and rather than go into debt, he worked a normal job during the week. And then on the weekend, he could afford one reel of film, processing, film and processing for one reel of 16 millimeter black and white film. He bought that reel on a Friday. He shot on Saturdays. And when they were out of film, they were done shooting. He did this for 12 weeks. And then at the end of his summer, where he worked this awful job, he had a feature film. And following is very much, you can find it on, I believe you can find it on Netflix following. It's his very first feature um, and it's one of the only ones that and Memento have commentary. You'll learn more about Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, for the audience, is the filmmaker behind the Dark Knight series, uh, the trilogy uh, yes. with uh, – anyways, I'm a big <laughs> Batman fan because of that movie. I think that he really told the true Batman story. But, but Chris Nolan, um, that's how he made his first feature. I think there's a responsible way to – make your first indie movie because I think you have an obligation to your investors. Someone's giving you a million dollars or a half million dollars. Right. You would better be responsible with that money. Is there's um I made my film for a low amount, but um and and the filmmaker uh, the the producers actually ended up making their money back. And for me it was a great learning experience. I learned you don't make money with indie films. So that is, but it is, it does is propel you into other things. is true or is it like the needle in the haystack is the one that... Uh, it's like- pretty universally true. I mean, I do think that there's, there are some, it's just not a sustainable business model. So you've just got to be smart. I think you need to uh, manage your expectations and that means lower them to the lowest possible point. And then you need to know why you're doing it. And mm-hmm. you're really doing it um, as a, a showcase for your talent, as a way to experiment early on and make mistakes, you should do it with an amount of money that you're willing to lose. I mean, a lot of you can get investors where they're happy, perfectly happy to lose a couple hundred thousand dollars on an indie film. That's fine um, because I think that what an investor gets out of that is they get to say, oh, I "Invested in an independent movie." <laughs> that's my that's my uh, Thurston Howell the uh, Third uh, imitation. You actually embodied your whole face became yes. yes. Yeah, you transformed. You're good. Yeah. So, so I think you need to know why you're doing it, and you know. But then there are, for me, I, I'm a huge fan of documentaries. Those are the movies. Whenever I attend a film festival, I always make sure to see those. The, the genre of movie I watch most on Netflix. I love yeah. the docs, and 
um, you know, those I think should be supported by the arts in any way possible, especially ones that are um, have social relevance. Have you seen Hero Dreams of Sushi? I have not seen I, that. I've saw but I'm going to add that to my Great. list. Now. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh really my good. god, it's wow. fantastic. It makes you hungry. It wow, does. especially okay, if you're good. doing a master. And it's highly inspirational too. I mean, like, you watch it, this guy and he's just so meticulous and exactly. passionate, and it's like you're like it's sushi. He's <laughs> <laughs> up, buddy. Um, would you say that there are more opportunities for independent filmmakers now? Because I, I feel like the digital platforms allow for instant visibility. There's fundraising, and at the same time, I think there's just a clutter, right? Of there's yeah, there's a lot of indie movies. There's a lot of indie films being made at the moment. But I almost feel, in a sense, when it comes to indie film, that depending on the type of project, some of these filmmakers would get more play out of actually turning. Taking their feature film, serializing it into smaller bits, maybe one to four minutes, and releasing it as an app. That sounds like a crazy radical thing to say, but I think you have to be you, – you have to go against the grain. I mean, the, the thing that most filmmakers want is they make an independent movie. Right. They take it to Sundance. They sell it they, to, to a Fox Searchlight or to Sony Pictures Classics mm-hmm. or to one of the other sort of sub-labels of a major. It makes a lot of money, but that doesn't happen. And the reality is, is that let's say – let's take a Sundance schedule from three years ago. 80% of the movies that played Sundance three years ago still have not been sold to a distributor. That's a reality. So you got 80%? like is that high? 80%. Yes. Yeah. So you basically have a one in five chance of selling your movie if it goes to Sundance, if it even gets into Sundance. And Sundance, of course, receives what? About 6,000 films and only 6,000 films are submitted approximately and then they screen 200. Right. So statistically, your chances are low. So I think that what you have to do is come up with something that's different. That's why, you know, the internet has become a place where a lot of people in development and television and film now, they look at the internet as well. I think you've I think you've had to use um, a combination of both. I mean when it comes to shorts, I think the internet is amazing. When it comes to features, you have to be uh, different. Yeah. Um, in, in terms you also of your have to, approach. like you have to be smart because you I mean you talked earlier just about putting your marketing hat on right and, yeah. and not we were having a conversation earlier just like not every creator has the the business wherewithal to think about marketing tactics and dive deep into digital distribution but, and, but I would argue that the most successful filmmakers are the ones that are able to balance a creative mind and a business mind. And if you really think of the most successful filmmakers in the history of film, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Michael Bay, not talking about their work, not talking about their work, but I'm saying that the most successful filmmakers are one that keep a balance between the creative side and the business side. And that was the purpose of my writing this book, The Ultimate Film Festival Survival Guide, was to tell filmmakers, it's like, yes, the art part of things is great. You should... Think about the business. Yeah. I mean, and, and all, that's almost true across the board with any type of career when you look at pro athletes. Pro athletes that are successful are the ones that keep a focus on the business side. Right. You know, they know that image is a part of brand. Peyton Manning knows, you know, there's a certain way to conduct yourself in public, right? There's a certain public image that will keep him employed doing commercials. I think that's, right? a, that's an age-old thing. Like, you know, because if you look at... 
the one percent, not the you know, we're not economy wise, but more like success or or let's take YouTube for instance. You know, mm-hmm. people look at YouTube celebrities and look at their success and like, oh, that's the blueprint. But you forget that there are billion users on YouTube, and you know of twenty. Right, exactly, right. exactly. And those guys, some of those people are making tens of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars monthly from their YouTube views. It's crazy. Right. But you can't, it's almost like It's the once, exception, not the rule. Yeah. Right. It's once, once sort of a here's the way to do it happens, then you need to come up with a different way. I mean, everyone knows the whole thing of the story of Kevin Smith. I put $30,000 on credit cards and I sold my comic book collection to make the first clerks. Right. Right. And it was sold at a profit. And then, and then, and then, Kevin Smith's career launched from that. And there were other filmmakers who did that same thing. But I don't recommend that because you don't hear, you only hear about the filmmakers who succeed. The filmmakers who didn't succeed, the ninety-nine point nine out of a hundred that didn't. If you put thirty thousand dollars on a credit card and you only pay the minimum on a monthly basis, it'll take you thirty years to pay it, and it'll cost you over a hundred thousand dollars. So my suggestion for you is to actually borrow money from the mafia because the mafia's interest rates are actually lower <laughs> than the interest rates from the major credit card companies. Right. I mean, I, I'm actually not this. I'm not joking. No, and all, I think, but, and I, but interestingly enough, I, I feel like people don't hear the anti-case study enough. Right. Like yeah. the, you hear yeah. somebody, like you go to a panel discussion or you go to some conference and well, everybody's on stage. That's and, not true. In my book, I include filmmakers who are very successful, like Morgan Spurlock, um, Jared Hess, who did uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I also include filmmakers whose movies didn't sell. Right. Filmmakers whose movies, and I ask them what mistakes they made. In every case study, when you look in the book, like, the book is like, you know, half, you know, me telling you here's different ways that filmmakers did things. The other half of the book is case studies of filmmakers telling how they did it and where what their biggest mistakes were and then what their big, biggest successes were. And not one answer, not one path is the same. Right. There's there are multiple correct answers to how to approach a career. And I think when it comes to entertainment, it, people kind of find their own path. Well, I think, right? uh, you know, uh, the one thing, uh, and this came through another conversation on the show, was the idea of the only rule is that there are no rules, right? People look That's at, a good rule to go by. Is, but it's, <laughs> but you look, because a, a lot of times people try to mimic or emulate what, you know, someone else did, but there's going to be intricacies and, you know, those hidden things, that the conversation that you didn't know about or whatever it is that that person was able to have. And at the same time, it's like, yes, but they didn't go the traditional route. And I think that is the lesson to be learned. It's like, okay, they had to think outside the box. You have to find your own way. You can't just copy and paste, and there's no straight yeah. route to the end goal here. So you just have to figure out what you're passionate about and how you want to get to it and yeah. get no, on I, it. I 100% agree. I wish Hollywood would learn this lesson because, you know, when, once they find out We're going to send this show is, to Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. But once, <laughs> once, they, once they figure out a formula, it's like, oh, that's what succeeds. Superheroes. Let's do a lot of superhero movies. <laughs> It's my Hollywood executive imitation. <laughs> was that not a cigar? Based on, not based on like anyone. It was kind of Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when you were editor of uh, Video Games Magazine. Oh, wow. Um, That's, you're going back. Told you I researched you. Um, did you envision yourself being where you are today? I, you mean looking at my X- Xbox and saying, Xbox. Play Xbox. Pause. Hey, that's a luxury. That's Xbox. Xbox is not stop. Cheap. Yeah, Comedy Central. 
<laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I lo- yeah. Um, I mean, no. I doing that magazine back in the day. This is when, like, I was always a fan of video games, just playing them as a kid. And lucky enough, my you know, after Film Threat, um, my other professional job was doing Video Games Magazine, uh, which just really came from a love of of games. But I never envisioned it, we'd get to here. Right, you know, with with you know voice control and this. I mean, it really is. It's pretty. We're very close to the holodeck on Star Trek: The Next Generation, right? <laughs> we're getting there. I mean, they already make these virtual reality, you know, things you put on your eyes. We're very close. As long as as long as sex can be a part of it, I think. As long that's always sort of the pioneering thing is like, how can we apply this technology to something that gives guys boners? <laughs> It's true. Um, it's true. It's unfortunately, you know, uh, porn. It's the boner drive, board. Tr- porn drives technology, which it does. which is which is fine. Yes, believe me, our space program would be much more robust if there were aliens on other planets we knew we could fuck. If that if that <laughs> could if we knew that this was possible, because if we, if we know how the male lizard brain works, it works. I either want to fuck it or fight it. That's pretty much the male lizard brain, right? Am I right? Well, these are these are men in a nutshell. How do I break it, destroy it, or how do I put my penis inside of it? This it's funny is, that you break it down so simply. Feel simple. free to bleep every uh, <laughs> no, most no, of this. No, no bleeping. Okay, good. Live to tape. Um, I actually this, I literally wrote this earlier. I said I always look at fanboy culture and the, the adult industry as leaders in fan engagement. Uh, That's true. And it's very because, astute observation. Uh, thank you. Um, Sunita had nothing to do with that. It was all, it was all <laughs> but I claim. <laughs> no. So, and I, my joke was one has completely different outcome than the other, obviously. Ha, ha, right. Ha. Right. Uh, but why, why do you feel, I mean, why do you, do you, maybe you know, or you don't. Although maybe both involve being alone. True. <laughs> well, yeah. Not always. <laughs> I wouldn't put on a headset and watch porn with my friends. Right. Um, if I did, it'd be weird. But as far as like brands interacting with fanboy culture and trying to find an authentic place, you know, you've been doing the Hollywood executive voice right, and trying yeah, to figure okay. it out. But, you know, wh- wh- why is that such a myth to businesses? You know, I don't know. I think I think social media has definitely changed the landscape. I think nerd culture has al- always been ahead of the curve, along with porn. Um, and when you look at the uh, porn brands, I don't. Fo- I mean, I'm, I might follow a lot of porn stars, but I don't really pay much attention to them because after a while, when I look at their social media feeds, there's a lot of complaining. There's a lot. I feel like I'm dating it is them. After, a lot of complaints. I feel like I'm dating them after a while. Or it's arguing like, with lost other- my keys. <laughs> oh, got in a car accident. Oh, this happened. Line at the bank. Oh, I'm at Starbucks. The line is so lo- just a lot of whining and complaining on these adult film actresses things. It's like, yes. And what I'll usually do is I'll tweet back at them when they have one of these complaining tweets and I'll just say, hilarious. <laughs> or, or I'll say, or I'll just say, hot. You know? Like, and it's, just, it's like something innocuous from their lives that's right. incredibly mundane. Like, I don't share things that are stupid and mundane like that because... Because everybody experiences these things. We all wait in line for things. We're all inconvenienced by traffic. I get it. Who cares? What can I say that's different? What can I say that is going to add to the online conversation? I think that that's – I think the, the geeks that are functioning at a higher level are looking to do that is to, to you know – contribute to a conversation that we're all having at once, which is driving 
geek culture forward, whether it be discussions of new technologies and how it affects us, which is really a definition of science fiction, whether it's, you know, taking the, the things that we grew up with as kids, like Marvel characters and seeing them realized on the screen. I always get, whenever I see the beginning of a Marvel movie and that little flippy yeah, yeah, yeah. thing happens at the beginning, I actually get choked up like I'm going to cry because I never felt in my mind's eye as a kid reading these comics that I'd ever actually see movies with these characters right. where it was just where it felt real. So I because I, I was a voracious comic book le- reader as a kid, um, and pretty much everything nerdy that you could do, I did all those things, which means uh, I was an indoor kid. I pretty much was pretty an indoor kid. Uh, you know, yeah. which explains, you know, which is good. Kept Midwest out of the winters. sun. Midwest winters. Midwest during the summer, still indoors. <laughs> you could find a tr- shady tree and go outside. You're not the most tan fellow. Not the most tan. I reflect light. <laughs> so I'm you, a mirror. If you want a tan, stand next to me. But uh, yeah, but so, so uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I've always loved being a part of that conversation. I think we're all. A, a, a part of that, especially if you're, you know, interested in that stuff. I, I, I I'm always shocked, amazed, and, and inspired when I see um, a polite conversation happening on Twitter right. that doesn't evolve into racist, sexist bullshit. You know, it's it's like, oh wow, we're all actually talking about well, this way and this, and oh, cool. you know, there's 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 positive ways for us to use. Well, what this does that say about society, media? right? Because I, 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 I tweeted, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, the other day, uh, just about like the you know the idea of like, oh, you read any comment section on any post anywhere on the internet, and you'll be hilariously amazed and offended. Right, it's like we just, the bar gets as you go down the comments, yeah. they get worse and worse. Very rarely it's like, oh, I agree with this point. It's always like there's first, and then there's like a bunch of right. Yeah, my rule is I won't say anything to anyone online. I wouldn't say to your face. I think that's a good rule to go by. I think that's you know, um, I'm not gonna. And I'm the kind of person that like I don't flip people off. A lot of traffic in in LA in particular, people flip. It's like. I would do that if I was standing next to you and you're a stranger and we're at a bar and you cut me off while I'm on my path walking to the bathroom. I wouldn't go, hey, man, fuck you. I would never do that. So so in real life and and honestly, if someone flips me off, maybe I made like an honest error, a mistake, like, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you yeah. off and didn't see you. Hey, I put my hands up and I do the I'm sorry, international sign for I'm right. sorry. Going and like my this. hands are now no longer I'm, on the steering, I, steering wheel. I try to mouth the words, I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I just I just think always like, you know, it just maybe it was my upbringing. I, my parents actually taught me to be polite. And I think that. I think there's, all, there's also like this kind of like psychological separation, right? I think. Right, right. Pre-technology, right? Because if I said something offensive to you like I did earlier. Um, <laughs> I would just punch you. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, no, but I, I literally get to see your reaction and to feel it. Right, exactly. Whereas if I just post a comment on your page and you're going to see it, you know, oh, a yeah. day from now. The security, you know, behind the screen. You, you can be whoever you want. Yeah. You can say whatever you want. Well, yeah, I think you have to be careful because you think about this: your digital imprint online, whether it be comments you post on Facebook, comments you post in wherever it is in social media. If someone looks up your name, your great, great, great grandchildren are going to know more about you than they ever possibly could have imagined. And so it's fascinating because, you know, look, I love my grandparents and I knew a lot about them, but did I know everything? What if my grandparents had been posting on Facebook from when they were teenagers? (laughs) Pictures of them at parties. Of course, it would have been like in the roaring 20s, you know, or whatnot. (laughs) Charleston. Yeah, doing the Charleston and like, look at, oh my God. 
Grandma was a whore. Um, but yeah, so I'm conscious of like, look, and look, if you look at my digital imprint, I've done a lot of stupid things. I mean, there's photos of me posing in a slave Leia outfit from uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh when there's a story but it's, behind, but it's it's you know that's typical teens. It's not incriminating, right? It, well, yes, oh, I wasn't okay. na- I wasn't naked. Yeah, I went. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I try to be. I try to sort of have a. I, like I say, I have a level of professionalism where I wouldn't say this. You know, I've gotten into some scraps with people online. You know, I've definitely had my share of scraps, but I don't devolve into name calling. I don't devolve into. I try to use try to use these things facts mm. facts. Oh. Oh, love them. Mwah. Facts. <laughs> um, so, so uh, I, I feel like those are those are are the things that. Um, of course, there's there's then there's the argument of can we just agree that certain facts are, are empirically true, and that's where you get into debate. Yeah. Think the Earth is round. Can we start there at least? <laughs> so, um, you were once on the FBI watch list. Oh my God! Oh, that's right. That was from my album. Yeah. Um, is that true? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a fact. Um, it is a fact. It's impeccable. Yeah. Empirical, empirical fact. fact. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. It was a <laughs> dumb thing. There were. It was like two dumb things that I was involved in. One was that um, John Hinckley, to refresh your memory, is uh, the crazed assassin who tried to kill President Reagan. Um, uh, and, and he was a shooter that was inspired by the movie Taxi Driver, and he was in love with Jodie Foster. Crazy man. And um, on behalf of me, a guy who wrote for Film Threat wrote to him in prison and asked him if he would review the movie Taxi Driver. Unbeknownst to me, if you write to someone who tried to assassinate the president of the United States, they pay attention to you and they add you to a watch list, which just means that someone at the FBI subscribing to the magazine where the, the, the review was printed. And basically, John Hinckley sent me back. He didn't actually review the movie, but he sent me back a letter where he gave his, his sort of thoughts. He, he was, like, very kind and said, well, and then went on to give his thoughts about Taxi Driver, and then I put it as a cover line on an old issue of Film Threat when I was publishing it out of my basement in Royal Oak, Michigan. Um, it was, I just said, hey, John Hinckley reviews Taxi Driver which was a salacious headline. The second time I had a, a brush with the FBI was when I first moved to Los Angeles, I met a spry young chap named Charlie Sheen who, uh, who was interested in underground videos. This is through a friend of mine named Adam Rifkin, who's an accomplished mm-hmm. uh, director. He's done a lot of horror movies, B-movies and TV and whatnot, a screenwriter. And Adam introduced me to Charlie Sheen, and Charlie was interested in getting weird videos. And, of course, the editor of Film Threat must have access to right. weird videos. So I lent him um, a movie that included a fake it was a fake live autopsy. They basically carve a woman live. And it's all fake. These are movies that are done. It was like a fake snuff film. Charlie was freaked out when he saw this VHS tape, and he handed over the video to the FBI, who then grilled me and interviewed me about where I got that oh, tape. Wow. So that was my second brush with the FBI. Um, so, so yeah. the moral of the story is don't give weird videos to Charlie Sheen. Don't yes. give weird videos to Charlie Sheen. <laughs> um, yes, he might. And, but then the weird th- 
thing was is months oh, this, later. This, this, here's what's funny. Here's, here's the punchline. <laughs> months later, I'm watching like one of these like news magazine shows, and Charlie Sheen received a letter of commendation from the FBI for turning in the guy who gave him this videotape, which was me. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so Charlie Sheen, as much as he's had some uh, you know troubles in his career, uh, you know, a few years ago, tired blood. Uh, back then, he was a good citizen according to the FBI. Um, you, we I've talk- had a weird sort of – I pop up in weird <laughs> ways. You really did your research. There's a lot of weird stories uh, of things I've done. But, yes, that's one of them. Um, you talked about being multifaceted earlier. You know, you have all these different sides to yourself. Um, there was also a bit on your album, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, which was Thank Meanwhile you. in Darfur. Right? Meanwhile in Darfur, yes. And because there was like – our mundane problems, like the porn star talking about the line at the bank, and compares nothing to what's you know being experienced in the world. Um, how much you know? How, what does Chris Gore care about, right? Because you know we know you as a humorous ball of energy, but like, what are some of the you know what are some issues that you care about enough to at least comment on to to you know use your platform as a as a commentary? Well, I, I certainly care about environmental issues. Quite a bit. There's a, there's a documentary you should see called Plastic Paradise, which is about our consumption of these things and how there's a giant Texas-sized – In the ocean. In, yeah. in the ocean floating where uh, you know, animals, birds, and fish are consuming chunks of plastic and it's changing the environment. And the reason I care quite a bit about the environment is because it affects – affects my kids going forward. And there's, there's, there's really alarming studies that you can read. If you really want to be depressed and, or if you could flip it and not be depressed, but just sort of feel like, Oh wow. Like my problems are, are dwarfed by, by what's, what's coming. I mean, there, there are certain studies that will tell you that in 40 years where we're sitting right now um, in, in California, the average temperature will be 160 degrees because of the way that we've, you know, with the polar ice caps melting, and that that everything there's going to be first of all mass extinctions of certain types of plants and animals there'll be starvation worldwide there'll be mass population movements in 40 years where we're going to have to move towards the polar ice caps um, in in order to actually live in a place that has a livable temperature and this is going to happen maybe not in my lifetime but definitely in my children's lifetime and this is because we've invested in things like fossil fuels and fracking and not um, as some scientists have recommended in the United States our entire power grid could be um, could be run by 50 square miles of solar panels in the desert you probably have heard this before right so some scientists theorize that if we just built 50 square miles, Okay, that was a bad scientist imitation. They're all the same. same Fifty guy. square, yeah. It's guy the same guy. Just a, he either has a cigar. Or he doesn't. <laughs> um, but at fifty square miles of solar panels would effectively power the grid, and we wouldn't be dependent on coal or nuclear. These are you know dirty fuels. So that's something that I care quite a bit about. It's right. it's something that I'm able to talk about. I mean, I think I think that. But it's difficult from the standpoint of, look, look. I, I make a lot of money. I plan to be very philanthropic when it comes to these things. I make enough to get by. 
Um, but uh, I, I'm hoping in the coming years I'll have enough money where I'll be able to invest in some of these things and also support those types of causes. Right. Um, but but it's, there, was a, there was a study that NASA – some data from NASA was used where it talks about how the breakdown of civilization is pretty much closer than we think. This is because – the lifestyle we currently have is not sustainable for the number of people living this lifestyle. Yeah. We are very lucky in the United States to live the way we do. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we're extremely lucky. You know, well, when you look around the world, that's, that's the, the, the thing from the, the inspiration for that. Meanwhile, in Darfur, just look at the way other peoples around the yeah. world have to live where just having clean drinking water is a, is a luxury. So these are the things that enter my mind and keep me from going off the cliff of depression. And then, of course, I waste my time caring about what characters are going to be in Star Wars Episode Seven. That is a complete well, waste of also time. Also very important. Important to me because it was <laughs> no. a cultural touchstone for me as a kid in which, you know, uh, at my advanced age to sit here and care about the new Star Wars movies is very nerdy. But um, but I do in addition to um, these these types of causes. But I do think that, that science... I, I think I think we need to put we need to put our faith, so to speak, in science, because just the like God will work it out. He has a plan for us. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. How about we make our own plan? Right. You know. So it was like um, George Carlin's bit. He's he, you know he's like I love George Carlin. he's like oh the, know, everybody's like the the planet. Is, uh, we're destroying the earth. We're destroying the earth. He's like. The Earth is going to be here. You're the one. You're, you're yeah. the ones who are going to be gone. Yeah. There's, there's a <laughs> like, great book you should read. I was inspired by this book called "The World Without Us," that basically just says what the world would be without people. So if all the people disappeared, what would happen? Pretty much everything would break down. I mean, buildings. There'd be rot. I mean, you give it, you know, ten, couple ten thousand years, and it will be as if we weren't here. That's how, that's how, I mean, look, CDs, which we were talking about the medium mm-hmm. earlier, CDs only last 100 years. Everything has, you know, we're born with expiration dates, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't think it's God's plan. I think, you know, you win the gene pool lottery, sometimes you don't. Um, there's also environment can affect it when it comes to yep. certain types of cancers. Um, lifestyle, do you li- did you, I, did, I grew up in a family where nobody smoked, hmm. and I don't smoke. The and I don't drink or, or well, not, do, not drink currently. Coffee. I'm not against drinking. I would never <laughs> stop my friends from drinking. I have a fully stocked bar at my place, um, but 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 um, that affects your health. One of the number one things, smoking, right? So, but it does affect me in the sense that, like, when I go to Vegas, I get I feel I get headaches and I feel ill. Yeah. I can't date women who smoke yeah. at all because I'm hypersensitive because I was never exposed to cigarette smoke as a kid. So. Um, just interesting things that I like to think too long about. <laughs> Somebody's got to think about it. Um, and so take this whole conversation in. Um, yeah. So it's called Innovation Crush. What are some things, trends, things you see in the marketplace, cool stuff that you are currently crushing on? Oh, wow. Um, one of them, uh, I have to say 3D printers. I was at the Consumer Electronics Show recently mm-hmm. uh, in January, and I thought, oh, 3D printers, that's just to print stupid crap. I saw so many examples of uses for a 3D printer that were incredible. First of all, I didn't realize that you can make food in a 3D printer. 
uh, types of candies. I saw I these intricate oh, and stuff. Can- really? Oh my God! You can see they take they they use the, the material that is used are these intricate chocolates that looks like something Willy Wonka made because the the mold is physically impossible to make in real life because you've got balls inside other balls mm. and and things with these these intricate like patterns. They look like an everlasting gobstopper, but in the form of candy. There were different types of candy. The other thing is you can do use a ceramic printer so that the material they use is ceramic. Right. So you can make tiles, you can make things to replace household household items, plastics. You could do with with using an iPad with with a special piece of software. Um, they actually, and they did this right before my eyes. They took my head and went around my head, did a scan of my head. Then they could reduce it and make an action figure of my head. Um, this guy had an example. The guy who was the head, I think of the company was 3D Systems, mm-hmm. created a 3D printed version uh, plastic of his entire house and his family. So he just did a scan of his house, him, himself and his members of his family, his wife, his, ch- his kids, and printed them out. It was, it was amazing. And then one of the coolest things was, I'm sure you collected Star Wars action figures when you were a kid. He had a six-foot-high stormtrooper from the original 1978, you know, the original yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Kenner release of the Star Wars action figures. And it was six foot and it looked exactly like the Kenner action figure. And he said, here, check this out. I looked behind the leg on the thigh of the stormtrooper, and it said, copyright LFL Kenner 1978. But it was giant on the back of the thigh. So it was as if he took a – he scanned wow. a small action figure and actually just kept growing large pieces. I didn't realize, too, what's interesting is when you make something that's larger that can fit in the printer, you just print it in pieces and then assemble it. So I think 3D printers is, yeah. is something that I think 3D printers is is definitely the wave of the future, and, and there'll be more innovative uses of that. I mean, in the, I, I, I was just amazed at what was possible, and didn't think that 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 it had so many uses. Yeah, and they started getting the limbs and all sorts of yeah. other stuff. Oh my God, um, organs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Last but not least, um, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is. Oh wow. Innovation to me. Innovation to me is thinking differently. I I know that's like taken from an old Apple marketing campaign, (laughs) but it really is. It's also sort of my personal mantra whenever I go about anything, whether it's you know everything from a book I'm writing to um, a TV or film project or even my stand-up comedy. I look at like, hmm, everybody's doing this. I'm gonna try it like this. I might fail often. But at least I'm I'm attempting something different um, than the pack. I don't I don't sort of go with trends. I try to, cr- you know, be ahead of the curve in that way. So I just think I think differently about everything in my life, whether it be fashion, lifestyle, um, nerd ways I nerd out, new ways to masturbate that we'll talk about on a nice. future episode. Send us photos, and that just leaves it on an au- <laughs> that leaves it on an awkward, yeah, thank awkward you. little moment there. There you go. Well, thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. This really was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I'm glad. I'm glad you you got to make it, and thank you, Sunita. Absolutely. And thank you, Sandra, for showing up and being our in studio audience member. You want to say hello? And thank you, thank you for being quiet because I noticed you. Uh, laughing constantly, and you stayed you stayed very quiet. So I appreciate that. I was getting a lot of laughs. Thank you for thank you for that. All right, everybody, thank you. This has been another episode of Innovation Crush, and we'll talk to you next time.
you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicing Driving friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.